Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. You know, I I can't even begin to explain to you how good God is. That was the thought that just kept running through my mind all weekend is just how good God is. So I want to direct your attention to a couple portions of scripture. And media team, I owe you an apology because I had an amazing, you know, I wouldn't say amazing, but I had a polished message and I had gave them all the, the uh, scriptures, but I had another one that the Lord was dealing with me about a couple weeks ago. And uh, as we were worshiping and, and doing the announcements, I felt like God asked me to preach something else. <laughs> you gotta understand how scary that is. Because I had a polished message. I had probably 15 scriptures and We're ready to rock and roll. But I believe that there's something a little bit more fitting today. The scriptures, I'm going to read from two. It's going to be Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, and then also Hebrews 13 and 8. When God changes changes on you, last minute maybe one day I'll preach that message that I had today but today is not the day and I'm okay with that I hope you are Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3 the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This was a prophecy of Jesus. And actually in the New Testament, we'll get to it in a little bit, but Jesus fulfills this prophecy. But I want to go to Hebrews 13 and 8 because I think this one, this scripture is so important. Hebrews 13 and 8. If I can turn there. See, I didn't have my Bible all marked up for this one. Hebrews 13 and 8. And that says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The same yesterday, today and forever. That's the God we serve. We serve an unchanging God. We serve a God who does not dwindle in power as time goes on we serve a God of who's a God of his word if it's established in the scripture it's established forever the Bible says that the word of God is established 
forever and it's established uh, before heaven and earth and it will never pass away. So what I want to talk to you today for a little bit is an unchanging God. Could we all just bow our heads and pray one last time? Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do, Lord. You are so holy. Thank you. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't plan on being very long today, but y'all know how that goes. What's so amazing, and one thing that baffles me about God is how He is unchanging. We live in a world that changes, it seems like every moment. We live in a world that technology changes. There's this, uh, I was reading about it. There was a, um, I forget what it's called, but uh, there's some kind of theory or whatever that says that technology doubles like every six, six months to a year. The rate that technology expands is insane. It's exponential, actually. If you think about something doubling every six months, eventually it just gets to a point where it's, so difficult to measure. But we live in a world that changes all the time. Think about your life. Think about circumstances where life seems great one moment and the next, you don't know what's going on. Life seems, uh, you know, okay and, and everything is going fine and then a storm comes and you're like, God, where did this even come from? What is going on? You know, while... Uh, while we were praying, I really felt that scripture in Isaiah come to life. When Jesus, when Jesus begins to minister to us, it's, it's, it's amazing what happens. I actually want to take you to where Jesus fulfills that prophecy in Isaiah. It's Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture because I call it Jesus' drop the mic moment. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. I'm sorry. Yeah, 16 through 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as, uh, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So their, their custom, like it's talking about in Luke, is uh, there was such an emphasis on knowing the word of God and, and studying it. And in the Old Testament, it talks about binding it to your hand and binding it to your heart and understand the word. And uh, King David even alludes to this where he says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Scripture memorization was such an important component in Hebrew culture. So what they would do in the synagogue is they would read to each other the scriptures. And what was happening here is just like Jesus's custom, he goes into the synagogue and he begins to read. And without even knowing it, the man, it says in verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, which is Isaiah. Without even knowing it, the man who gave him what to read was fulfilling a prophecy. He gave him the book of Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. And this is what Jesus read in verse 18. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then what does it say Jesus did? And he closed the book, and when he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were absolutely floored by what Jesus was doing here. And then verse 21, this is what Jesus said to them. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Today is the day. What he was doing was he was explaining to uh, the Jews that he was the one that Isaiah was writing about. He was the one that's supposed to come to this earth, and he's the one that, uh, that preached the gospel to the poor, that sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and all this stuff. So Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy here, and what I want to tell you today is that Jesus Christ is the same. So when he says that he came to preach the gospel to the poor, he came to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, all of that stuff, when he said he could do it then, he can do it today. And what I want to encourage you in today is that since Jesus never changes, when he declares, I can heal the brokenhearted, if you have a broken heart today, God can heal it. I want to encourage somebody today, if you have a situation in your life, God can make that situation better than what it looks like today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I just tell you, that what Jesus did on this earth when he ministered to his people, he can still do it today. When we were praying, um, I, I felt the Lord really talk to me behind that drum cage. I know, believe it or not, God still talks to me back there when I'm caged up. <laughs> when I'm caged up. But what I believe is that in this sanctuary today, please, you know, just bear with me for a second, okay? In this sanctuary today, there are situations that are going on in everybody's life. I don't know everybody's life. I'd, you know, I, I, I don't know what struggles you have. I don't know what your job situation is like. I don't know. But what I can tell you is I know the God I serve. And I want to encourage you a little bit. I'm not going to be very long because I believe that before we leave today, God is going to break chains. Is that okay? Yes. I believe God's going to break chains. God's going to change some things yes. in our life. But what I can tell you is that I remember times. Is, is it okay if I just share with you how good God has been to me? I remember times when I was in high school and I had to take a job to help my family buy groceries. I remember a time when I was working just about full time trying to go to college and better myself and still have to come home and help my parents pay the bills because my dad had been laid off and he couldn't find a job anywhere. He was in retail management. Believe it or not, retail management, it's hard to find a job. But he managed like grocery stores. He managed Kroger down south. They just, you know, per, had a, they have an investment interest in pick and save now. So now you go to pick and save and see Kroger brand everything. But we had Kroger's down south and that's what my dad managed. And he made a lot of money. But when we moved here, circumstances, you know, whatever, 
and he ended up losing his job. And I remember being 17, 18, and having to help my parents pay bills. But can I tell you this? That God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Amen. That even in the midst of that, you know, I, I don't. I know that happens, right? Like I don't wish that upon any young person to have to, uh, you know, have the responsibilities of of you know paying bills and stuff like that. You know, I, I like I understand that that happens, and and it happened to me. But I, I just want to give you a little story. So I was, um, and please forgive me if I've shared this. Some of you, I may not have heard this, but uh, I was going to college, and I was I was living in Monroe, and I was driving to, driving to Janesville, Janesville. Yeah, Janesville, sorry. Janesville was uh, a good 30 miles from Monroe. And we would carpool. One of my best friends that I graduated high school with, we went to college together. And we would carpool, but I tell you, it was, it was tough paying for gas. You know, I was working. I didn't, have, I didn't make a whole lot of money. And on top of that, you know, I was helping my parents as best I could. So I didn't have a whole lot to get to school with. But I remember a time, like, I knew I needed to go to college. I knew I needed to just better my education. And I really felt like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I just pray about life decisions. I, I hope everybody does. And, and I knew God, had, God wanted me to go to college. So I was going to college. And there was a time where I was picking up my friend Robbie. And uh, I, was, I had no money for gas. I was on E. And he didn't, um, he didn't have a job at this point, but uh, I, I, I was on E. Like, I had, I had been driving on E for like two days. Anybody been there before? Anybody been there before? Right. Money? Yeah. Yeah. I was telling pastor kind of jokingly that um, money isn't everything, right? But it's right up there with oxygen. Kind of need it to survive, you know, unfortunately, but you do. Um, so... So I had been driving on E for like two days, and I just prayed, just a simple prayer. Lord, please help me get to college and back today. 30 miles there, 30 miles back on E, driving on E for two days. And I prayed that, and I didn't, I didn't feel the presence of God just wash into my truck. I had a 96 Chevy S10, got like 14 miles to the gallon. I didn't feel the presence of God rush into my truck and just overload me and I, I didn't I didn't cry I didn't you know I didn't feel anything but I just prayed and I trusted as best I knew how God please help me that was the prayer and what's amazing to me about that is I felt like and God revealed this to me later the the little old lady in the old testament where she had just a little bit of oil a right. little bit of what is it meal or whatever and the prophet came and said make me a cake and the plan was, and this is what the scripture says, the plan was for that lady that she was going to make a cake for her and her son and they were going to eat it and then just starve to death because that's where it was at. It was that desperate. And the prophet comes in. I forget which prophet it is. Somebody help me out. Who was it? Was it Elisha or Elijah? Elijah. Okay. Elijah shows up and is like, hey, make me a cake. So the lady makes... You know, just this little meager cake and puts it in front of the prophet. The prophet eats it. What she didn't know is that through that gift of sacrifice, God was going to bless her for the rest of her life. Because after that happened, she always had a little bit of oil. Please forgive me the way I say oil. A <laughs> little bit of oil. 
and a little bit of meal, but it never ran out. And that's how I felt because I prayed that prayer and I drove on E for like two weeks. I'm serious. I drove on empty. There was nothing in my tank except the Holy Ghost. And I drove on that for two weeks. Can I just tell you that that might not sound like a big deal to you, but that was a big deal to me. That was a life changer to me because in that moment, I realized that I served Jehovah Jireh, that I served the God who provides because Abraham figured that out years and years ago when he went to offer his son. And then you guys know the story that he went to offer his son and he's about to slay his son on the altar. And God says, wait, 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 I know you're faithful now. And God provided a sacrifice. Do you know, right immediately after they offered the sacrifice, Abraham built an altar and named it Jehovah Jireh. Because in that moment, he realized God is a provider. And that's how I felt. And it, you know what? Just another, another little story. This one, I won't give you as much detail. But I remember, I hope this is okay. I just, I, just wanted, I just want to talk to you for a minute, okay? I remember from my limited experience, right? Most of you have more life experience than I do. But I remember a time where I was in church, but, and the saying was, I was in church, but the church wasn't in me, you know? I was kind of coast. I was going to church, but I wasn't really living for God. I didn't have a prayer life. I didn't have a relationship with God. I was just going because my mom made me. That was pretty much it. And we'd go to church once, well, it, twice on Sunday, and then it flipped to once because they went to afternoon service. But we went to church once on Sunday, once on Monday night, once on Wednesday, once on Friday, once on Saturday. We were at church more than I was at my house. That's, you know. The church, if the doors were open, we were there. Regardless of whether I was living right, I was there because, my, you know, she's dragging me out the house. At this time, my dad wasn't living for God. But, you know, I was going to church, and I was kind of coasting, and I realized that there were some things that I started struggling with that my dad struggled with. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to give you details, but the scripture is true when it says that the sins of the father carry to the, what is it, third and fourth generation? Is that what it says? Third and fourth generation? So it's true. You do struggle with the same, unre if it's unresolved, you struggle with the same unresolved sins from your from generations before you now we have an opportunity to break that curse that's called a generational curse but when we put it under the blood and we resolve those sins and God delivers us and whatever we break that curse but that curse wasn't broken for me so I realized I started struggling with some stuff that my dad was struggling with and I remember it getting to a point where I was so cold like I was sinning and it didn't feel bad anymore I don't know if anybody's ever been there but, you know, the first couple times, you're like, oh, I'm terrible. And, and that guilt and shame and whatever. But once you keep doing it and doing it, you notice that you feel less and less bad for doing it. Your heart becomes callous. That's what the scripture says. That's why uh, in the Bible, um, I forget who it is. It's probably Jeremiah, but please, for, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, oh, now I'm not sure. One of the prophets writes in the scripture that to take away the stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. Who was that? I don't know who it was. Isaiah. Okay, it was Isaiah. See, see you guys, y'all got more life experience than I do. I, see, nobody's sure now. But the, the scripture says that because when you sin and when you get caught in an addiction, your heart becomes more and more stony and less and less tender towards God. 
makes it more and more difficult to hear from God, makes it more and more difficult to live right. You know, and, and what I realized is I got to a point where I was so cold that, you know, I didn't care. I was going home sin and I looked forward to it. That's how bad it was. I looked forward to doing bad things. I looked forward to that. That's twisted. That's twisted thinking. But I got to that point. And I remember going to church one night and I was sitting, it was a youth service, so it was Friday night. And my youth pastor, Brother Huckabee, that's a southern name right there, Brother Huckabee, <laughs> went to church in Memphis, Tennessee, if y'all didn't know. Brother Huckabee started preaching, and he preached on that scripture, remove the stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. And I was like half listening, but, you know, not paying attention really, because I didn't have a smartphone, so I wasn't on my phone all service, you know. Y'all probably remember how that is, like... What did we do before smartphones? I don't know. Sometimes I wish I didn't have one, but, uh, right, exactly. But I remember kind of half listening, and he said he spoke prophetically in that, and it caught my ear. I, did, I know it was Jesus trying to get a hold of me because it caught my attention. When he said, there's somebody in here today where God wants to replace your stony heart with a heart of flesh. And I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. There's probably how many other sinners sitting in this youth group? You know, because that's the twisted thinking I had. And I, I went to a youth group. My youth group was like 150 kids. So I'm trying to pass it off on everybody else. Ah, that ain't for me, whatever. But God got a hold of me, that service. God got a hold of me. I don't know if um, it, it was like a slap upside the back of the head. What are you doing? And I realized that I had been messed up, that my thinking was so twisted and so backwards that I wasn't doing anything to please God. But God still chased me down, even when I didn't deserve it, even when I was living wrong, even when I was so full of pride, I wasn't willing to admit my mistakes and my failures. God still chased me down. And he smacked me up the back of the head and he said, what are you doing? And I remember in that service, God became my chain breaker. In that service, God became the one who can take care of my addiction. In that service, God became the one whose blood would cover my sins, no matter how wicked, no matter how disgusting. That blood covers a multitude of sins. Because of his sacrifice on that cross, I was able to be free. I want to tell you just one more quick testimony. This one is not about me. This one's about my dad. My dad, he, as far as, as long as I have been alive, he has not been living for God. I grew up in a household where it was my mom taking me to church and my dad. It wasn't that he was like, ah, y'all going to that. It wasn't like that, but it was, I'm just not interested in living for God. It was a passive, apathetic attitude. I'm not going to church. I don't feel like it. I, I'm fine. That's what it was. I'm fine. You know how dangerous that mode of thinking is? I'm fine. That's dangerous because that's when we begin to think, I don't need God. Everything's fine. I don't, what do I need God for? I got a steady job. What do I need God for? I make $100,000 a year. I don't need God. That's the kind of thinking that we're battling in our culture today is I can handle it myself. And that was the attitude my dad had, because he did make money. I mean, he was, he didn't want for nothing, you know. 
But he struggled, and please, he understands that I'm sharing this testimony, by the way, just so y'all know. But he struggled for a long time. He was a, a heavy, heavy drinker before I was born. And you know what's amazing is that I do see the favor of God, even in my dad, right? Because when I was born, my dad's like, you know what? I don't want to raise my son as a drunk. And he quit drinking like that. And he was like a drunk, okay? And he quit drinking. So that was amazing, right? Hearing about that years later, how you can just stop. And he did because he didn't want to raise me like that in that environment. And, you know... Um, but he still struggled, right? And he had knee surgery, and he was on whatever kind of painkillers they gave him. He couldn't get off of them because he had a history of addiction. When he was younger, and again, he understands I'm telling you this, okay? So don't think I'm just ta throwing his dirty laundry all over the place, okay? I got his okay. But when he was younger, him and his brother would pickpocket people in Memphis and buy cocaine. And my grandfather would have to pick him up unconscious from crack houses. Like, that's how bad it was, right? And he grew up in a church. He grew up going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every prayer meeting, whatever. But he didn't develop a relationship with God. And that, that, I mean, God didn't call us, I don't know how else to say this, God didn't call us to be bench warmers, okay? God didn't call us to just warm a pew, right? We have to have a relationship with God. Because... If anything that I've learned from that is you can go to church for the first 18 years of your life and still fall away from God. You have to have a relationship with God. Your own individual walk. You have to. But when he had that knee surgery, he just couldn't get off painkillers. He, he was on them for a long time, I remember. And I'm, I'm young at this point, right? I'm like probably 11, 12. So I didn't really understand addiction the way I do now because I you know but I remember him and this this is what this this sticks out in my mind I remember him taking me to church taking me to a Friday night youth service and he's like hey I'm gonna stop over at my friend's house and we pull in and his friend I didn't know what was happening but his friend was giving him a bottle of pills and he was giving his friend money I didn't know what was going on but I remember that and eventually, it got to the point, I, you know, my parents were fighting all the time and talking. I remember my mom yelling at him, like, you need to go to an a inpatient rehab center, like stuff like that. And I didn't know what they were talking about, but I, I heard that. And eventually, he did check himself into a rehab center. And again, the way God chases us down is amazing. Because remember, God doesn't change. All those miracles you read about in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament can happen today, can happen in your life. They're a testimony. They're a, a memorial that we can look at and understand who God is and what he does. So he's been sober for years and years and years. He's been sober for a long time, which is amazing. But he still would not surrender to God. He wasn't dealing with drinking. He wasn't dealing with drugs. He just could not give it over to God. And I remember, I've seen this slow, I've been praying for him since I knew how to pray. Long time, right? And I've seen this slow progression of getting back to, to Jesus, right? First it was the drinking, he stopped. First, next it was, 
you know, it was the, the addiction, and that stopped. And then he started coming to church. He would come to church only on Sunday morning. He didn't want any more than that. He'd come Sunday mornings, and he'd sit through the service, and afterwards, he'd tell you everything the preacher told him, everything the preacher said. He was listening, but he still just could not let go and just give it to God. So that happened. That went on for three years. And then when Tasha and I, when we were serving in Monroe, as, uh, as youth leaders, Tasha and myself and my cousin, Caleb, then my dad started taking us to Elevate rallies. And he started taking the whole youth group. He had a big old Tahoe, you know, and he'd just pile all the kids in and take us to youth service, and he'd sit through the whole service. So it was like Sunday mornings and youth services. And he started coming on Wednesday nights, and he'd come into our youth service to listen to me teach. You know how my dad was a very distant man when I was growing up. So that made me feel so good that my dad wanted to come and hear me teach the word of God. Even though he had no interest in living for God, he was showing me, hey, I'm proud of you. And I went my entire childhood not hearing that from my dad because he was so distant, never came to any of my sporting events, just nothing. And then when I'm a teenager, I, I'm seeing this change take place. It was, it was, I would call it a metamorphosis. You know, it, something that took time. It wasn't God delivered him, he lived for God. It wasn't like that. It was something that took time. And so then this progression happens. And last year, I think it was last year now, was it last year? That he, he had a heart attack because he was still smoking. He could not, he tried quitting many, many times when I was growing up, but he couldn't kick that habit. And I guess when you smoke, it does it constrict your blood vessels or something? And it makes them easier to clog. That's what was happening. So he had a 100% blockage in one of his main arteries in his, in his heart. I know most of you have heard this story, so please just bear with me. I have a point, okay? I do have a point. I'm not just rambling. So he had a 100% blockage. It was a miracle that he had not died like before he had the heart attack. So he goes into the, to the ER because he had chest pains, right? And he calls my little brother because um, they're in Mississippi, right? My little brother just moved back, actually, which is pretty cool. But they were in Mississippi at the time. And my dad went out to eat with them after church. So at this point, he's going to church every service, which is amazing. Still will not lift his hands, will not worship God, but he'll stand there like this. And he'll listen he told me, this, this was amazing to me. He texted me a picture of Court Chavis. Court Chavis was at their, at their church, and he was preaching, and he said, I love this preacher. Just out of the blue, and he still just won't give his life to God. But he loves listening to preaching. He loves the music. So he went out to eat after service with my little brother, and he said he stayed up longer than he normally would have. He would have just went home and went to sleep, but he stayed up because he didn't want to go out to eat. He was kind of feeling funny. He went home, laid down, started having chest pains. And he, caused, he had enough sense to go to the hospital. Most men don't. Most men are just like, ah, I can deal with this, you know, whatever. And then it turns out to be a heart attack. But he had enough sense to go to the hospital. And he called my little brother, and he's like, hey, I'm having chest pains. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to the ER. So my little brother says, I'll meet you there. So they go. My dad is sitting there for a long time. I don't know how long. But he kept going up to the lady, and he's like, hey, I'm having a heart attack. I need somebody to see me. And the lady's like, okay, go sit that back down. They did an EKG and didn't see anything. 
So then they're like, okay, go sit down. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. We'll have a doctor with you soon. He did that three times to this lady. And the lady's just like, go sit down. We'll have somebody with you. There was nothing on the EKG. So he goes to sit down the last time. And he sits down like this and puts his head forward, right? And right when he sat down, he fell over. Heart stopped. Fell forward. He had staples in his head because he fell forward and slammed his head into the ground. My little brother, you have to understand, my little brother, number one, knows how to pray. He knows how to get a hold of God, which is amazing. That was something I had to learn over years and years of really how to pray effectively. My little brother just, boom, he just prays. And he has such a, I have such a respect for the walk of God, the walk with God that he has in his life because he is so strongly connected to God. It took me years to figure that out. He, didn't, he never backslid. He never walked away from God. He just, as a kid, loved going to church. And when he turned into a teenager, just automatically started reading his Bible, started praying, started developing this relationship with God. So when my dad fell over, my little brother hit the floor, laid his hands on my dad. And he's screaming. He don't care who's in the ER. He's screaming, in Jesus' name, don't let my dad die. In Jesus' name, heal him. In Jesus' name. He knows how to get a hold of God. But nothing happened. My dad was still flatlined. And they ended up putting him on a stretcher, taking him back. They did a, a heart cath, and they said that his heart started beating, and then it stopped, and then it started beating, and then it stopped. Three times he flatlined. Three times. He should not be alive. Shouldn't be alive. But God spared him. When he finally came to in the ICU, when he was, you know, not on drugs or anything, he woke up just out of his sleep. And he, had, he still had that tube in his throat. And he just, like, started freaking out because he, he's got a severe gag reflex. <laughs> Ever since I was little, I remember this. Um, just a quick story to explain this to you. He had some dental work done. And he had to... He had that gauze like way in the back of his throat. And when the drugs started wearing off, he's just like, just like walking through the house, like just gagging. He just couldn't stop. And he's always been like that. So this tube is bugging him. And he just about rips it out himself, but they pull it out. And he finally came to. And this was amazing to me because, you know, through this whole process, my grandpa's calling me like, I don't know if your dad's going to make it. And I'm telling Tosh, like, we need to go down there. Like, you know, and then... We were talking about it, and we're like, well, let's wait and see what's going on. So we decided not to go down, but he finally came to, and before I even talked to him, he posted something on Facebook, which he never does. He does not get on Facebook. But he posted, thank you, Jesus, for sparing my life. You guys might not understand how monumental that is. This is my dad, who just was so cold towards God. But now... He's going to church every Sunday. Now he's actually started reading his Bible again. And now he's still, he's still kind of holding on to it a little bit. But he's so much more open now. And we have conversations about how good God is. And, and he says, God blessed me. God gave me a second chance. God didn't take me when he could have. But God gave me a second chance. The last point I want to make is this morning when, when Sister Calhoun was teaching. I was in the nursery, but I heard it. And that scripture, um, Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may be able to prove that which is a good, acceptable, you know, perfect will of God. Yes. That word for transform. I was talking to Brother Chris Brownie, which is Brother Brownie, Pastor Brownie's son. And we were talking about that scripture because to me, again, remember, I had such twisted thinking. God had to change the way I thought. He had to change, change the way, you know, my thought process. And I was talking to Brother Brownie about this. And he said, did you know that word for transform is the, word, the same word that we get metamorphosis from? It's metamorpho or metamorpho, whatever. That's a Greek word which means a change over time or like a process of change. Do you know what the only other time the scripture uses that? This is amazing. It's when Jesus was transfigured. It's that same word, a change over time, metamorphosis. So when God begins to change the way you think, what we're doing, it's a path of holiness. It is a path of, uh, uh, of justification. It's a path of transforming us to be more like Jesus. And that's what's going on in my dad's life. It's been a change over, got to be 14 years of just prayer and, you know, constant whatever. But it's that change. And what's happening is God is taking him through a process of change. And I believe one day it's going to be, you know, one day he's going to just lift his hands and he's just going to let God take control. And, and I believe that day is very soon. But... The point of all of this, I just want to encourage you. Like I said, I don't know your situation. I don't know your walk. I don't know your struggle. I don't know whatever. I don't know that. What I can tell you is what God has done in my life. And hopefully that encourages you. And you know, one other thing, and this is really what I was planning on preaching, but I'll just throw it in here. Might as well. It kind of relates. Kind of, yeah, it kind of relates. And this is what I'm going to finish with. Holy mackerel. I've been talking way too long. I'm so sorry. This is, this is what I want to finish with. Old Testament, the altars they built. Everybody knows, right? Everybody understands. They built altars. They made sacrifice. That word for altar in the Old Testament is, it literally means sacrifice. It's a Hebrew word. But what altars, their purpose was, number one, communion with God. And number two, a memorial for what God has done. What was happening is every time they built an altar, that's why they named them. That's why Abraham built an altar and named it Jehovah Jireh. So every time somebody walked past that altar, there was somebody who could tell the story of how God became my provider. That's what this altar means. So when we go through situations in our life, they become part of our testimony, right? We hear that, we, we talk about that word all the time, our testimony. What it is, is an altar that we've built as a memorial to what God has done in our life. Just like in the Old Testament, when they set up, actually in Joshua, the scripture I was going to open with, when they crossed over into the promised land, God spoke to Joshua and said, okay, every man of every house of Israel, take a stone and build a memorial in the Jordan River. So that way, everybody that asks, what is that, what does that mean? You can tell them, God sustained us and brought us into the promised land. That's what our testimony is. That's why we share what God is doing in our life, because you can, uh, the word of God is so powerful. When you begin to couple the word of God with your personal testimony, that's what changes lives. When you can, uh, when you can explain how good God is and how good he's been in your life, that's what will change people's hearts. So today, I just want to encourage you. Could we all stand? And I'm, I'm just going to call an altar call real, right now.
right now, if you're going through something that maybe is similar to what some of the stories that I told today, if you're going through something, I just want to encourage you, God doesn't change. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. His power does not dwindle as time goes on. So I just want to encourage you, let's come down to this altar as a family. Let's come down, and if there is something in your life, you don't have to tell anybody, you don't have to whatever, but if there's something going on, I believe God will change it today. I believe God will break chains today if you allow him. First, you got to open up. So I invite you down to this altar. And I just pray, I ask that you would open up today. Just allow God to work on your heart. Allow God to break the chains in your life. Because he, unfortunately, he's not going to just kick the door down and say, okay, I'm making everything better. And you know, sometimes life just hits us in such difficult ways, but God will sustain you. And what happens when you go through a difficult time, that becomes your testimony. That becomes an opportunity that you can share with somebody else who's going through a similar struggle. And you can say, you know what? God did it for me so he can do it for you. God did those things in my life so I know he can do them for you. Can we all just lift our hands and close our eyes? Jesus, I pray right now that you would rain fire from heaven and consume this sacrifice of praise today. Jesus, we know that you're good. We believe that you're good. And God, I just pray right now that you would touch our hearts in a special way. I ask, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody that's going through something today, whatever it is, God, I know that you can break the chains. I know that you can crumble the strongholds. And God, I just ask that you would break every chain today, that you would dissolve anything that, put, that we put above you, God. I, there is no God like you. There's no God above you, below you, beside you. You are the Almighty. You are the King break of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the chain, chain breaker. You are the provider. You are break our God chain. and our King. Break and Jesus, we lift you up today. Thank you, Jesus. Just exalt his name today. Put him on the throne. Magnify him today and he will take care of everything. I know life is hard and I know we'll still go through things, but God will sustain you no matter what it is. God will sustain you. In Jesus' name.